Hi, this is Christopher Walken. I, uh, calling in is sick and wrong with a joke. Uh, what's the difference between Amy Winehouse and a moped? A moped can make it to 30. Gotta go. Bye. This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary, brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, E. Simon. Wackerly here. Happy uh, 400 there, Wackerly. Oh, yeah, it is 400. Episode 400 of Sick and Wrong, the podcast. <clears throat> How does that It's feel? an accomplishment. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this. 400 episodes. We've never missed a week. Just to make you a little bit depressed here on a Saturday afternoon. That's over seven and a half years of podcasting. How so? Think about it. 400 400 episodes. We've never missed a week. Oh, not continuous, you mean? Yeah. But, no, I mean, we've done like seven and a half years of uh, this podcast. Yeah, we're just thinking about it all week, planning the show, preparing well, I'm not saying it. every. I'm not saying every day. Is I'm been learning my lines to podcasting, but if you think about it, that's seven and a half continuous, seven and a half years of doing this show. If each show is like an hour and a half, then that's like. Don't even try to do that. You're never going to be able to figure out that math. <laughs> six hundred hours. Use a calculator. No, it's, it's six hundred hours. It's a long time of podcasting. And what do we have to show for it? That's what I want to say. Some t-shirt money. <laughs> Some t-shirt I mean, we had to, money. We had to live off the t-shirt money. That would not be good. No, that, 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 wouldn't, work. that wouldn't, wouldn't work out. Uh, also, like our, um, our sponsorship money. I guess we have that. The sponsorship money. Yeah, the memories. What about the memories? I think about all the, um, the, the Facebook comments you've had over the years. I have lots of memories anymore. <laughs> but yet you still hide the fact that you do this podcast when you're in public. Pretty you're, much, wackily, yeah. you're kind of like a superhero in a sense. That you're not really super. Yeah. You're not much of a hero either. But I mean I'm just saying you have this like different persona when you're at home with your headphones on. I have a secret identity. A secret identity, that's what you are. Yeah. Secret agent man. But yes, this is uh, this is episode four hundred. Asian man, <laughs> that's, that's that's the big <laughs> secret that I'm Asian. Wackerly's wearing a mask. He's wearing a white guy with a beard mask, and when <laughs> he really takes it an off, Asian. he's an Asian. Yeah. I'm really the person who played short round <laughs> in the Indiana Jones movie. You know, honestly, this podcast doesn't matter. This weekend doesn't matter. The only thing that matters this weekend is the finale of Breaking Bad, which is tomorrow. You looking forward to that? Yeah. Like should, right I think now, it'll be good. This is just filler. This is just filler till tomorrow till at tomorrow. Uh, what, what time? Eight o'clock. It's also Captain Carl's birthday tomorrow. <laughs> is that gonna is that gonna conflict with your Breaking Bad no, we're watching gonna do plans? A daytime, we're gonna do a daytime activity. Well, don't get too drunk. Because what if you pass out and miss the finale? 
I'm always drunk when I watch Breaking Bad. That's why it's so great. Do you know who the uh, comedian Eddie Pepitone is? Eddie Pepitone, no. Also known the as name the, sounds familiar. He's, a, he's this kind of fat, um, bald, angry man. Very surly mm-hmm. comedian. Uh, there's a great documentary about him called The Bitter Buddha. Anyway, I saw him uh, do stand-up a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about Breaking Bad, and he said that that is all we can talk about. We're just, uh, we are consumed with that show. And in two weeks when the show is finally done, which now it's tomorrow, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> people don't like Boardwalk Empire. Like, I like why, it. Why are people obsessed with Breaking Bad? Because. Is, is it because it's on AMC? It's, well it's basic cable? Whereas no, uh, Boardwalk well, Empire is HBO? No, that's not it. Yeah, but I bet you not as many people watch Boardwalk. Yeah, I think a lot of people just turned off by Boardwalk. I think a lot of people think Boardwalk is boring, which I can see with their point. <laughs> a lot you know, of talking what? in the show. A lot of people said they watched the first two seasons of Boardwalk Empire and then just... Some what are we on now? Four or five? I think five. Wow. I, I like that show. I think it's a, I think it's a well-written show. It's uh, Visually, it's stunning. Um, Steve Buscemi's really cool in it. Yeah. Um, I, I do. And uh, also, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Chalky White. Dude. Chalky White, dude. That guy's great. Chucky White's all right, but he's not up to his uh, uh, Omar Little yeah. uh, stature. But Breaking Bad, though, we are obsessed with this show. Are you kind of upset that it's going to be ending tomorrow? Or are you over? Mm, are you ready no, it's, for it's got, it to It's got to, to end. Conclude? They're running out of things to, to do, for sure. But the, the, uh, my yeah, question... I think people, people like it because it's, it's, like, it's, it's family drama, it's action, it's comedy. It's, it's dark. all those things wrapped together. It's dark. Um, and it does all those things pretty well. Well, this is my question. Is there you've you've invested you know what four seasons if, or is this the fourth or fifth season of Breaking Bad? I think it's well they did the numbering weird. I think it's the fifth season, but, but they broke the fifth in season half. into two, so it's really technically the sixth. Yeah, I guess year this would be we've been watching the sixth it. Season. But that, okay, that's a lot of television viewing hours. Would you be extremely disappointed if tomorrow's finale is just a big letdown and this happens a lot with television series it's quite common mm, I, think- I don't think it will be i mean i get the sense the television shows that have shitty endings are ones where they never really had an end- ending in mind to begin with like like shows where they're like oh we got signed up for another season we didn't expect that and then they just sort of tack- keep tacking on more content and then they do eventually have to end it but there was never an overarching thing to like get a to narrative anyways. arc that they're going yeah, to. Yeah. So they just, that's how they end up with a shitty ending. Like, um, I don't know if you watched, if you kept up with Dexter, but Dexter just, the uh, finale <laughs> of Dexter was last week. And I would say that is one of the most disappointing finales I've ever seen. Oh, that the bitter tears taste so good in my mouth. I, I, I'm so happy to see that. Because I had to stop watching Dexter in the middle of the second season. With the and fire, never is that back. the uh, the firebug? That chick where that he English he went chick? into re- yeah he went into rehab and they tried they made the stupid fucking obvious metaphor that oh Dexter's serial killing is just like a junkie's addiction and then he met the girl in in there and she yeah she liked to set fire I was just like I'm done and people have tried to get me to go back like I tried to watch the season with John Lithgow that was a good season actually I got like two episodes in and I was like this is lame. Yeah, you know, I gotta say, I, I love it. the fact that this ending was terrible from from everything that I've read and heard, and it's on. And I had to have read descriptions of it, and it did sound extra terrible. It's, it's got to be validating. I, you know, I watched, I watched all the all the seasons. I had to watch this last season. This 
this last season was awful. It was dismal, just like the rest of them. But this, the the final, the finale was just terrible. I don't want to, whatever. I don't care. People can watch it if they want to figure out the way that show ended. But it was just one of the worst endings to a series I've ever seen. And I think that's why is they never had an ending in mind. They, they should somebody just... somebody pointed out that the problem with not just the ending, but the ending has a lot to do with it. The problem with the show. And maybe going back to your original question about why Breaking Bad is good is they've allowed us Breaking Bad's allowed us to take the character that you like in the beginning on unequivocally that everybody's like, oh, Walter, he's got this shitty life, poor guy. And by the end of it, you hate his guts like he's a terrible, terrible person where the people, the articles I read pointed out that. Where the Dexter writers went wrong was they never wanted you and they always wanted the audience to stay on Dexter's side. So they never let him do anything that was really shitty, even though he's a serial killer. Well, also any opportunity where it was like, here, we're going to examine the crappy parts of Dexter's personality and magnify them and examine them. They like they never did that because they always wanted the audience to be on Dexter's side. Yeah, no, he was like the antihero that everybody supported and they never they never turned against him. Anything that he did. They would um, somehow, justify yeah, they would somehow justify every single action that Dexter did, even though it was deplorable. And the people he killed, were, you know, the people he killed were doing the same thing as he does. I mean, it's but not even the, not even the killing though, but just like how he treats Deborah and how he t- and just, treats like all the other characters that aren't characters he's going to kill. But you know, he's a very selfish person. Well, they attempt really to rectify that though in this this finale, and it's just terrible. But but it's just one of those shows where I don't think they had this the ending of the series in mind. I don't think they predicted it was going to go eight yeah. seasons or whatever it was. I think it was popular, so they just kept saying like, "Oh, we're going to contract you for for." 23 more episodes or whatnot. But what about The Sopranos? I mean, they must have known The Sopranos was going to end eventually. Uh, well, people are torn about this ending of The Sopranos. Some people, I think, really like it, and then obviously other people hate it. It's not. It was one of those endings that's not really... It doesn't give you closure because it just the screen goes black. And you don't and know you, what's what's going to happen. Like they don't were, know what's about to happen. He could have been... It looked like they made it... They set it up that he was about... Tony was about to get whacked by several different assailants in this restaurant. Or several different guys that that just look conspicuous, and they could, right. you know, they could potentially be assassins, but they don't even say it. And so, I but think- at the same time, he has the whole family there, and they're in a diner, and that you know, the other thing that the show was about, besides the gangsterism, was it's about his, the family. Family, so yeah. I mean, it was actually, supposed to show that they were just still, you know, no matter all the shitty stuff that happened, they are still a family, and they still go out to dinner like regular families. But okay, so what about um, what about? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. People say that had one of the worst <laughs> finales of, of any series of, has ever been on television. Actually, no. <laughs> the, the Battlestar Galactica had like a very just shitty last two seasons. So it wasn't like it didn't. It wasn't like the last episode punched you in the stomach. It's like you were already doubled over from how shitty the last two of five seasons were. But it turned, have, Battlestar Galactica was like a military sex drama, it's military slash sex drama in space with robots for the first three seasons, and they're awesome. And but then the last two seasons, it become it became this like messianic. Like, there's like a Jesus character, and there's all these mystery apostles, and then there's a false prophet. It's just 
and all that stuff maybe was like a little bit around the edges in the first three seasons, but it becomes the whole focus of the last two seasons, and it's really lame. Wouldn't they say that wasn't there like a revelation that God was responsible for all the events that had occurred? Or some type something of God. like that. And there's somebody that goes off and gets lost in a black hole, but then she comes back just like Jesus coming out of the fucking rolling back the stone or whatever. Did they really... do something similar with Lost? Like it was just, it's, what's it, the ending's called the Deuce Ex Machina, where it's like something completely unexpected just to kind of explain everything that happened right. in the series. And I think, didn't they do something similar with Lost, where it's like, uh, they See, were Lost, I, Lost, I, Lost, I was even one step ahead of the curve that I was, uh, where I was at with Dexter, is Lost, I never started watching, because I think watched- I, I, I watched one episode, and I was like, this is going to be terrible. And not that I'm smart, but here's what my brain thinking was doing then, was that I had been a hardcore X-Files fan, and that shit People hated the ending had- of that. Yeah, because of the same reason like they just kept adding seasons and episodes and they didn't really know where it was going and you kept thinking they were going to wrap everything up but then they didn't and they just said oh we never know it's mystery it's aliens and i as soon as i started watching lost or the first episode which i don't even think i watched the whole episode i, I just knew that this is going to be exactly like the x-files i can tell you know i don't know, I, I probably watched two seasons of lost and then i watched the final season just to see how it ended mm-hmm. and i was i was disappointed with that but I mean, that, that makes me wonder if if the writers of Breaking Bad from the get go, from the from episode one, knew exactly how this show was going to end. I think they have. I think they have it all in their head. So you you've think- never heard of you never you've never heard of them saying like we're going to add. Well, maybe they did add seasons. I don't I mean, know. I feel like I feel like they've had they do have they've always had an idea of where it's going to go and where where Walt's going to end up. Well, it makes me wonder uh, whether or not tomorrow will be the conclusion of a perfect series. Because there aren't that many shows on television that – there are a lot of shows on television like Deadwood. I love Deadwood. The ending of Deadwood also just made no sense. Well, they, they thought they were going to go for – they had the opposite problem of adding seasons. They thought they were going to go for like five seasons. And at the while they were shooting the end of the third, HBO said, yeah, you're canceled. No more funding. Just wrap it up. And so they didn't even try and write an ending. They just said, well, we're just going to shoot the rest of the episodes we have and that will be it. Yeah. I mean it just did not end. I, I think Breaking Bad, I'm – optimistic it's going to end well it's gonna be i mean it's 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 a two-hour episode do you think they're going to be able to wrap up all the loose ends just oh it's two hours i didn't even know that yeah i think it's two hours so i I don't know it just seems like there's a lot left to happen i think they should end it like like they ended new heart and (laughs) walt should wake walt should wake up with his wife from malcolm in the middle and be like i had the craziest dream Do you remember the ending of New Heart? Yeah, where he wakes up in uh, in bed. Uh, Susan Plachette is in bed with him, who is his wife in the earlier series where he like lived in Manhattan. I think I started uh, episode three ninety two with that, with the beginning oh, of New Heart. Yeah. Oh right, right. And no one, no Surprise one got ending, it. The twist. And no one got it. So yeah, anyway, I got it. I'm looking forward to Love seeing Bob the. New Heart. He's a he's a god, a comedy god. I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, the finale of Breaking Bad tomorrow. I think everybody will be watching. I guess we will be somewhat lost this week. I don't know. After like the, the <laughs> after the Fuhrer <laughs> dies a... down, I don't know what we're going to talk about at the, the office Fuhrer. anymore. Oh, the Fuhrer. Yeah. I not don't, the I don't... Fuhrer. Well, not after, the Fuhrer. The Fuhrer. After, uh, after all that dies down and the excitement wears off, who knows what we're going to talk about. I'm glad to hear it's two hours. So maybe I am sad that it's ending because when you said it was two hours, that made me happy. Yeah, they have a lot of time because my favorite character is Todd. By the way, Todd. I, I just want to know what <laughs> happens Todd. to Todd. I do. I want 
And to, I, w- I was thinking that Todd would have a lot more scenes this season because, you know, his, his Nazi crazy family of crime people are like, his they're a big focus, the swastikas. but they, there aren't a lot of scenes with Todd. Meth Damon. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see the, the international business lady reject Todd and I want to see Todd cry. I want to see Todd put her in the hole. Yeah. And uh, he's going to put something in her hole. <laughs> <laughs> how do you think Todd would... It would that would be an awesome scene where Todd just raping the shit out of that chick <laughs> you're not supposed to make rape jokes I forgot but who do you think would make a better wingman Heisenberg or Todd Todd you think Todd would be a good wingman he's so creepy yeah All but right. Heisenberg is like that wingman who goes you know you're talking to the girls and they're like I like um, I, I have a I have a I love that Ford Corvette and you're like, oh, yeah, I love Corvettes. And Heisenberg would be like, actually, uh, Chevrolet makes the Corvette. And why he'd go on and on, you know, so You think he's a know-it-all? And that would he's just... a know-it-all, and he can't fucking leave shit well enough alone to get laid So in the by, pursuit of getting laid. By spouting off facts, he would just turn the girls off. They would be uh, less attracted. T- Todd is just dumb, and he's, and he's not I bad he's looking. I think he's manipulative. <laughs> Maybe. I think, I, I think well, that's there's... good. That's good in a wingman. But, but he's, he's not bad looking, but he's just ugly enough that you could maybe look better than him to a certain type of girl. Although, with you and me, that's probably a bigger challenge. I think people. viscerally, Todd is a scheming individual. I think there's a, there's a whole scheme going on there with him. So I think what would happen if you went out to the bar with him, he would pretend to talk to the girl that he's interested in, but really he's interested in the girl that you're talking to. I wouldn't trust Todd. I would trust Pinkman, Jesse Pinkman. I think he would be a good wingman. Well, he's got lots of drugs. He's got lots of drugs, which is always good. And he's got a sweet crash pad. (laughs) So that's my segue, actually. Uh, For episode 400, I ended up doing an interview with Thomas Edwards, a professional wingman. This guy is a – you hire this guy to go out to the bar with you. And he will pick up chicks for you. He, and not That's only, really pathetic. Not only can you not get a girlfriend or anybody you have no to fuck friends. you, you don't even have a friend to be a wingman. Well, what's good about that? Some people say that women are better wingmen. You, that's, you, what's uh, interesting, that? that's what's interesting about this guy's company. I asked him about that. It's called the professionalwingman.com. You can hire a female wingman. They call them angels. So you can mm-hmm. hire an angel to go out to the bar with you. But What if you just try and fuck the angel? <laughs> Is that against the rules? <laughs> that doesn't work. They, they, they don't do that. It's a client, it's a client uh, relationship that they have going on. But the, uh, the thing is, though, when you go out to a bar with a girl, and uh, you, you know, people assume that you're with that girl. So I think that might work against mm. you. Yeah, you got to be visibly like chumming it up with her. And I just think it's, I think it's you know, it looks like you're on the date. Whereas uh, if uh, you're out to, if you're out with a professional wingman, he's going to look for uh, opportunities to introduce you to uh, available ladies. The thing is with uh, his company, though, these guys not only take you out on the field to different bars, they also critique your your dress, your style, your behavior. I don't know if I could take that. I'm very emotionally vul- vulnerable. <laughs> I was I trying criticism I was, well. I was trying to sign you up for the service actually, but it's like a thousand dollars. We have to sell a lot of t-shirts for that. A thousand dollars? A thousand dollars for some not, guy to help you get a phone number? It's not just one night. It's like a month. You go there for a month. Oh. You go in there. They and you, you, so, you. like you said, they coach you. They like they're like you can't wear dirty sweatpants to the bar and expect for a woman to, woman to talk to you. You know, I was asking about that. And he said, "Yeah, because you know a lot of guys show up and just flip flops, a stained like wife beater, not wife mm. beater, but like a, a stained like uh, you know T shirt, 
He's like, yeah. so we got to sit like, there. Well, no, it's clean. It's just that stain doesn't come off in the wash. Yeah, you need a new shirt, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and that's what they do. And then they critique like the way you talk to girls. You know, it's that's the thing with a wingman. Like I was wondering like what makes a good like the qualities of a wingman. And I was trying to figure out like some of the best wingman that I know. I think with the, one of the probably one of the best wingman I know is uh, Sleazy E. Ian's a mm. very good wingman. Captain Carl is pretty good. Oh, Ca- Captain Carl is a good wingman. Captain Carl, you're terrible. I'm oh, I'm an awful, awful wingman. I'm terrible too. Do you remember that time we were we were standing outside like it was closing time? We were standing outside of the Golden Bowl, and a car pulls up with two attractive ladies, and they basically said, "Get in the car and come with us." And we were like, "Did we? Sure, yeah." And you know what? We ended up. Did I we, mean, to did make we a score? long story. No, to make a long story short, given that opportunity, you and I were not able to score, and they eventually dropped us off at our house. We tried to get them to come in, and they were like, no, bye. Wait, wait. That's how bad we are. How did we turn... How did we do, we like do a whole hundred and eighty degree turn? You want to hear from, the whole story? From girls, wait, wait, because all oh, right, this is why we're horrible. I, I'm a horrible wingman. This is why you're a horrible wingman. Is right. because we drink and we drink a lot. We were drunk <laughs> and uh, we miss all the visual cues. Actually, there are no visual cues. I can't even fucking see. I don't even remember these girls. I, it's it's basically I drink till I black out. That's not a good quality for a wingman. These girls said that they were hungry. And we said, we know where there's places to eat that are open 24 hours, but it turns out we didn't. <laughs> so we made them drive to like several places that were all closed. And then you've used this line before. It's one of your favorite lines. I don't know if it's ever worked for you, but I've heard you repeat it. Uh, most guys would be like, well, we have some drugs or alcohol, but you always offer the chips and salsa. I, I was about <laughs> you to say, s- you kept saying we have chips and salsa back at our apartment. I was about to say just now, like, why didn't we just offer some chips and salsa? You did. It didn't work. <laughs> I think <laughs> if you hired this company, the first thing they would tell you is, uh, yeah, not girls aren't so into the chips and salsa. I don't understand why the though. Chips and salsa are delicious. They are delicious, but. Maybe just by yourself. What if I add guacamole to the mix here? Well, now you're talking. <laughs> well, who has yeah, guacamole? Exactly. If I would have been like, well, we got some beer and some cocaine at home, we probably would have had Condoms. like bitches in our hot tub when we didn't have a they hot tub. They also might have been creeped out that we uh, shared an apartment. <laughs> they picked up what they thought were like two cool dudes and we're like, come back to our apartment. Oh, which one of your apartment? Our apartment. We live together. <laughs> I like bet creepy you, but- twins. I bet you they thought we were younger at first until they realized that we're that just too. drunk, old, creepy pervs. Yeah. You know, maybe close up maybe both face. of us should uh, should sign up for the professionalwingman.com and figure out our problem. I, I for one, am going to stop uh, offering girls chips and salsa unless there's some roofies mixed in there. Um, so, yeah, I talked to Thomas Edwards about his company, The Professional Wingman. And then afterwards, uh, Ryan Keeley uh, comes on and dispenses actually useful advice. For my two cents. I mean, Wackerly and I have been doing my two cents many times over the years. Rarely do we ever say anything useful or um, speak for yourself. I, I try and give good advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, Ryan Keeley actually has sound advice. Like she's knowledgeable about these topics. So, yeah. Well, if you're, if you're, I mean, many times guys or girls are calling in to, to ask about advice for about women, and it's probably good to have a woman's perspective. Yeah, no, she she gives some uh, some sound advice. So that's coming up a bit later. Anyway, people, this is episode 400 of Sick and Wrong. Um, yeah, before we get to this interview, here's a word from our sponsor, adamandeve.com. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. 
Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. Thomas. Yes, sir. Uh, you there? Yep, I'm here. Oh, okay, hear all right, all right. I didn't hear you at first. So I was just wondering if we had a good connection there. Uh, perfect. Hey, um, well, uh, thanks for being on the show tonight. Hey, man, thanks for being so flexible, man. Today has been a crazy day, it, 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 and believe it or not, it's not over. <laughs> I actually have a, um, a radio show in Minneapolis I have to phone in on in, in an hour, so I really appreciate the flexibility. You know, I've noticed your uh, your company's been getting a lot of attention. I read about I've read about you in a in a on a, a Vice magazine interview, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that um, yeah, that was a recent post, and um, not expected. The, the the I guess the response was not as expected as I originally had thought, but yeah, you know, I thought they were uh, rather uh, rather polite um, and uh, not as snarky as I thought they would be, but uh, um, yeah. Well, it's, you know, to be completely honest with you, man, like it, it, it was hard for them to be snarky about what I do because I definitely make a point to be consistent with my brand. And so, believe it or not, I wasn't interviewed for that. They actually just actually picked up uh, video footage of me saying those things and they quoted me in these videos. Oh, okay. So they didn't <laughs> actually personally interview you then? No, not, not at all. Okay. Well, well um, let, let's talk about what it is that you do. Uh, you have a company called The Professional Wingman. Yes. Uh, .com. And uh, essentially, it's a, a wingman for hire mm-hmm. agency. Yes. So, so how does it work? So the, uh, the crux of it is, you know, we go out with you and we act as your wingman and we give you real-time feedback on what's preventing you from making the kinds of connections that you want. Now, we use dating as a driving force for your development because, let's face it, when it comes to the things that are important in your life, you having a healthy, long-lasting relationship is probably close to the top of that list. So we like to use yeah. that as a way to really challenge you and really have the, and have those breakthroughs that you're looking for to really change the quality of your life. So, so when you say uh, you, you go out with the client, so the client contacts you, um, do, do you – like consult first and then like make a date to go out like how yeah so how do you arrange it yeah so we we vet i mean i personally vet all of our our potential clients and so if you're if you're in it to actually get laid uh, we're not going to be working with you that's just not what we're about so so you're not hooking people up with one night stands here this is just no no and i always say listen it doesn't mean you're not gonna get laid in the process but you i also know that you and i when we work together are about a higher purpose, and that is to be in a quality relationship with a compatible a person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And that is very important to us, and it's important to the clients that we work with, and so that's what our focus is. Okay. And once we figure that out, and we accept you into the program, then we go out with you. So it's either me scheduling, or my team members finding a p- good place for us to work together, or maybe you might have an event that you want us to go to. And we'll we'll come with you as your wingman to these events and pay attention to things like your body language and, and your ability to approach people effectively and to have a good, consistent presentation mm-hmm. on making those connections that you're looking for. And, and you look at their style, their dress, mannerisms, yeah. that kind of thing? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a part of the presentation, right? You know, 95% of communication is nonverbal. And so including, and that includes how you present yourself. And so if you're looking for a certain type of person, then there are certain things that you may have to project, whether it's physically or through your body language, that is going to be necessary to attract that kind of person. So isn't, like, I've always thought communicating with women is something that's just intuitive. Like, it comes very natural <laughs> to, to, to me. It, it always has. Can, yeah. can it be taught? Like, is there a, a, I guess, a methodology to meeting women? Well, I don't think it's necessarily a method. It's more of a strategy. You know, once you decide what the kind of person that you're looking for, there's a specific strategy that you can implement that's catered to not only your personality, but the personality where you're looking for that can be effective. But at the same time, I also believe that it doesn't come down to uh, awkwardness, right? Like most mm-hmm. people believe that the clients I work with are awkward, and that's not true, at least for the most part. It's just a matter of social immaturity. You know, you don't have the experience to be comfortable in these environments. And so my job is to help you become socially mature, to desensitize yourself to these environments and know exactly what to do and not be frazzled when things may change or or things may happen that you're not expecting and to be able to handle that in a very natural, authentic way. So, so these people, I guess your clients, I mean, this is kind of a good segue into that. Yeah, yeah I, I just assumed, probably like most people do, that they're you know desperate, clueless, socially inept. Um, <laughs> I got, that's what I'm picturing like the uh, the stapler guy from uh, the movie Office Space. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. So, what is your demographic like? What, what's your typical client like? I would say you know two to five percent of of those you know the guys we work with are that guy, the stapler guy. You know, but for the most part, they're wildly successful professionals who are average to, you know, good looking, who take care of themselves, who, you know, they, they're conscious about fashion. They may not be knowledgeable of it, but they're conscious of it. And they have a social life in the sense that they have friends. They do go out with them. They'll have a couple beers after work or on the weekends. And, but when it comes down to it, when they see someone that they're attracted to, they don't know what to do. They completely freeze up because it's out of their element. And, hmm. That's really the, the number one commonality with everyone that we work with. I mean, we work from ranges from lawyers to do- and doctors to, you know, policemen and teachers and, you know, the like. And so it's, it's, it doesn't matter who you are and what you do. It's, it, dating is relative to everyone. So, so what, like, what's the average age of these guys? Like, are these guys, like, coming out of, like, are they recent divorcees? Are they, you know, like, 40-year-old virgins? Like, I'm just trying to... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I first started out, which was almost five years ago, you know, I started the company back in March of 2009, and the majority of our clients were uh, 37 to 47 divorcees. Mm. And as we continue to grow and get popular, you know, grow our popularity through you know lots of media and referrals, it's grown to 27 to 42, 43. So young professionals who. Um, you know, they, they, they have a lot of their lives together, but mm. this is the one thing that's missing. And so they're, they understand the importance of investing in themselves and the, the lifetime value that it brings. And so they, you, they'll use their you know, indiscretionary income yeah. to invest in something like this. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. I can understand too, with like a recent divorcee, it's like you've been out of the dating game for X amount of years. Yeah. And so, you cool. know, you probably uh, need to brush up on some skills. Totally. So, so for uh, your company, you've been around for five years. 
Where, where'd you come up with the idea? Did, did, was it for the movie, uh, the, the movie Hitch with Will Smith? <laughs> Honest, I, honestly, I didn't actually watch the movie until about seven or eight months after I started the company. And I thought to myself, wow, like, this is exactly what I do. But then I realized, wait, like, Hitch is behind the scenes. You know, I'm actually in the trenches with my clients, really helping them in real time. And so whether or not that's better than Hitch it's to be determined. I guess it's subjective. Mm. Um, but the, the genesis of uh, the company actually was when I was a sophomore in college, I thought I already found the one. And I thought my life was completely put together. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be with. And I got her parents' uh, blessing. And a week later, I find out that she cheated on me. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're like, I'm going to become a professional wingman and get back at all women now. <laughs> well, I, I wish it was that easy. You know, I wish it was that easy to do that. But instead, I actually went in the shower and cried for about 30 minutes. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Right. So after I you know, was done crying and, and, and got out of the shower, I realized, you know what? I need to work on myself. You know, I don't want something like this to happen again. And that sparked a personal development journey where I just really wanted to figure out who I was, who I wanted to be, um, and how I was able to really engage people and, and connect with them on, on a very specific level. Uh, not necessarily for the purpose of dating, but there was a part of me that wanted to be loved by everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we all can uh, you know, relate to something like that, where we all want to be loved in, in some way. And it was a lot of fails, <laughs> a lot of successes, and it reached a point where I needed to hold myself accountable. And so I started a blog. And the blog chronicled my journey, my development into the real world once I graduated from college mm. and talked about people I was meeting, people who, are, people who I, were dating, I was dating, and everything else that, involved in my, that was involved in my life. And so you're an open book to, here. Like you're yeah. just pouring your life out on the internet. Yeah. You know, I figured, you know, it's the best accountability. You know, when you, once you put it out on the internet, it's like digital ink. Well, you know, it's cathartic. It, I mean, if you yeah, think about it, it. It, it, and it can never be erased. You know, yeah. I, I never would want someone to read along and follow and be inspired and then realize this was all fake. You know, I, I didn't want to be that kind of guy. And so I like the idea of having other people, even if I didn't know them, hold me accountable. Mm. So people read it, loved it, started asking me questions about the specific things I was doing. And I give them, you know, advice based on their circumstance. And they'd always come back to me saying, dude, this is awesome. I love this. So it went to a point where I was actually at South by Southwest. This is March of 2009. I was uh, in Austin at a bar with a buddy of mine and he sees an attractive woman and he goes, dude, I need you to be my wingman. She, uh, that girl over there, she's so hot. I want you to, you know, get me to date her. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, dude, if you can get me a date with her, I will pay for your drinks the entire weekend. That's a good deal. It's, it's, it's a great deal, yeah. right? <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I was right over there talking with her. And, um, you know, we hit it off. And then I introduced him to my buddy. And I, quote, unquote, went to the bathroom. And he ended up getting her number. And they went on a date the next day. And then I got a text message from him saying, dude, she's awesome. I just wrapped up my lunch date. Thanks for being my wingman. Drinks are on me. And that's when it clicked. I was like, wow, you know, I can like always I can facilitate introductions and get drinks. But why not just teach guys how to do it themselves and, and get paid money? Yeah. Uh, so so how goes. much does it, how much do your services cost? 
So we uh, we work on retainer. So we work with you uh, in a month. So we have a program because if you want a relationship, it's not going to be an overnight process. It's yeah. definitely going to take a while. And so we encourage people to really invest in themselves and the process. Um, you know, we start at a thousand dollars a month, and that and that that includes three nights a month with with uh, one of our team members. So, so you have a so it's a thousand dollars. How how long do you think it typically takes? Like a couple months. You know, the average life cycle of our clientele, I would say, is four to six months. Four to um, six months. But that doesn't mean that you know within two months you know, you'll find success. It really depends on the person. But that's the average. I mean, I've had a client where in three sessions I was able to get them a girlfriend, and they're now engaged. So, oh, okay. so what, you know what I mean. So it really depends on the person, but also depends on. The circumstance, you know, sometimes you get lucky and you get really lucky. And there are other times where it's a little bit of a process and you got to go through some struggles before you uh, find that success. Yeah. Well, uh, so, um, so I guess that uh, answers my other question here. So you regularly follow up with clients to see where they're at, like even, you know, yeah. year after? Yeah. I mean, let's face it, you know, people think that the easy, you know, the, the hardest part is actually getting in the relationship. And what I've come to realize you know, not only through my personal experience, but through other clients' experiences, is that's just half the battle, man. I mean, the the other half is staying in the relationship and growing it and maintaining it. That's just as hard as actually getting into it. And so I, it's always important for me, and some clients keep us on retainer mm. uh, for that purpose as well, to make sure that the relationship is going strong and if there's anything that they need help with, we're there to back them up. So you have a lot of success stories here. Uh, what, what about uh, failures? Like, have you ever refused to help a client? I mean, have you ever met a guy, he comes in, contacts you, and you, you vet him, and you're like, oh, there's, you are beyond my help. <laughs> have, have you ever had anything like that? More, more frequently than you think, man. Honestly, <laughs> like our, our, um, our acceptance rate is below 50%. And so oh. we, don't, we don't accept everyone into the program. And obviously for a variety of reasons, but... Besides, you know, the, you know, the idea of getting laid, you know, we don't we don't do, deal with that. But it's also people who either have ulterior motives in the sense that um, sometimes you can get a sense that there are certain guys who just don't respect women. Okay, and, so you're you're getting like these misogynists that come in. Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 we don't. It's it's just one of those things where you just don't want to deal with that. You know, it's just not a good situation. And then you have those who just aren't willing to go through what it takes to get what they want. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, those guys, you know, people who might be overweight and they want, they need to lose a certain amount of pounds, but they're not willing to really restrict themselves and in, in their dieting and their regimen to really get what they want, even though they know that's what's necessary to do it. You know, we, we're the same way. Like we don't, if you are able to go through the process and understand that there's going to be a lot of adversity that you have to battle through, it's not worth it for us to invest the time to work with you. I mean, are some of these guys that clueless? Like they show up in flip flops and a mullet and you're just like, dude, like seriously, we need to do some work here. It, it depends on the city, honestly. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are guys who really will show up with like scraggly beard, unkempt, you know, a dated fashion, you know, dated wardrobe thinking that they're going to get a, a Heidi Klum. That's an ice time. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way, and they expect people to have that magic bullet that's just going to make it work, and that doesn't exist. You know, any guy who, could, who will try to sell you on the fact that they can help you get any girl they yeah. want, that's just not true, you know? I mean, do you have to manage their expectations? Like, you, you get a guy that comes in that's like, you know, I don't know, average looking, 
and and they're trying to shoot for a nine or a ten. Like, are you? Do you have to like sit there and tell them like, unless you got a lot of money, that's never going to happen. Dude, absolutely, man. I mean, honestly, managing expectations is the hardest part of, of what I do because you'll have a you – know, and, and I'm not into like whole grades and numbers and ratings and leagues and stuff like that. But let's just say for hypothetic, hypothetically, you know, there's a guy who's a C player and he wants mm. an A player. You know, that's not realistic. You know, if you want an A, you got to be an A. And so I will gladly help you become that A that you can attract the, you know, the kind of people that you're looking for. But – you can't be a C expecting an A. Just this, this is not how it works because those A players aren't looking for C players. They're looking for A plus players. So <laughs> you know what I mean. So you you got to be able to understand what people are looking for and be able to adjust and, and 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 accommodate for those things without compromising your personality. Which I think a lot of people, a lot of guys, feel like they need to do that in order to do, in order to um, attract those people, and that's not true. Yeah. So, so tell me here, I, I, what does it take to be a uh, professional wingman? Like, uh, what, what qualities, like criteria do you need? Well, you know, I, people ask me all the time, and I always say, I don't know what, it, you know, in terms of a professional wingman. Uh, but in terms of like a really, really good wingman, I would say there are three qualities. The first one, uh, you, have to be, you have to be selfless. You mm. know, I mean, if, if you're a charismatic person and you are – people gravitate towards you, then you're the kind of person that understands that there are people who are quality. And when I mean by quality, I mean people who are potential mates and partners that will come to you and be more attracted to you than your friend. It's very important for you to not, you know, get in, you know, give into that temptation and make sure that whatever your success is, is for the success of your, your friend or your client or whoever you're working with. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Have you ever had like a conflict of interest? Like you went out and all of a sudden you're like, well, this girl's super sexy and she's into me um has that ever happened it, it happens a lot uh to be honest and um you know i i have a very strict no play while we work policy you know we we uh if, if i'm if i'm as good as i say i am then i don't need i don't need to work it on someone else's dime you know what i mean and so i always tell people if you know whoever i'm you know talking to and, and i'm you know i'm into her or whatever i say listen you know, I, th- I think you're really cute, and, I, and I'm loving this conversation. Now is really just not the right time. Let's talk in, you know, maybe an hour or two, um, and I'd love to get to know you more or hear more of that story. And I try to divert. Or I'll even say, you know, listen, if you think I'm cool, you should be talking to my friend. He's even cooler, you know? So I'll totally endorse, <laughs> my, you know, you know the, the client that I'm with first before I even have my own personal incentives. But honestly, I don't try to, you know, mix uh, business with pleasure at all because – yeah, it, it's yeah. never a good recipe. No, definitely not. So, yeah. so, so what what is it like when you, when you're sitting at the bar, you see two attractive two attractive ladies sitting down. Do you, do you do you teach them like a pickup line, an icebreaker? Like what, what's the introduction? So we don't do lines. Um, no pickup lines. Yeah, we don't we don't do those because I mean they're cheesy. It's just it's yes yeah, cheesy. Girl, it's girls lame, hate like, that shit. Yeah, everyone's doing that. You know what I mean? It's nonsense. So what we really focus on um, are three things. We focus on context, so being observant of the environment and the situation, and being able to pick up on things that might allow you to enter that conversation naturally. Something organic. Yeah, totally. Um, It could be something that she's wearing, what she's drinking. It could be... Uh, maybe the game's on, maybe the mu- something, uh, a music, you know, a song that's play- being played that's like really cool or very trendy you might be into, or maybe you might notice she's having a birthday party or something, you know, th- those things like that will allow you to get in there. 
Um, then it just comes down to confidence, which is an emotion that actually we can provoke by physical action. So, you know, standing up straight, correcting your posture, smiling, eye contact, um, you know, looking good. You know, those are things that can convey that confidence and project that confidence that people are attracted to. And then the content, obviously the content is based on the context, but if there isn't any context, then really you go up there and you say, hi, what's up? Just want to come over and introduce myself. And then you introduce yourself. And, and how, how often does that work? I mean, I mean, is that usually like, do you approach like a group, like let's say there's a group of four girls and they're engrossed in conversation. Would you just walk up, pull up a chair and say, hey, what's up? Absolutely. I'm telling you right now, like virtually every time it works and guys get worried about that because like, dude, that's like nothing. Right. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's not nothing. All you're doing is you're introducing yourself because let's be honest, women know guys intentions. And so why would you try to circumvent that by coming up with some cheesy line that's that you think is going to make them believe that you're not there to pick them up when the reality is you're interested in them? So put it out there in the open. Let them know, hey, listen, I'm interested in coming over here. I want to talk to you guys, and I'm going to introduce myself. Now, from there, obviously, there's, there's more responsibility. you got to keep the conversation going, and you have to mm. extend things. But really, I tell my clients, you know, the best thing you can really say is hi. So let's say you go over there. You're making conversation. The girls like you. They think you're witty. Your uh, client is just clamming up, not even saying anything. Do you, do you abort the mission and then, like, regroup? Like, what, what do you do? So for me, I, I have a two-strike policy, right? And, and the two strikes come with my attempts. So every time that I notice that my client is being very uh, quiet or, like you said, like they're clamming up, I will listen to what the women are saying, and I will find something that my client can relate to that will give them an opening to actually start talking. Um, now, obviously, like there might be a situation where I may not necessarily know who he's specifically attracted to in the moment. But I think when you know a client is clamming up and they're not sure what to say, any woman in that group who's responsive to him is going to be the person that he's going to be interested in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because so, she's the one that's actually looking at him and, and talking to him. Yeah, totally. So I, you know, I give him you know two opportunities typically to really get themselves in there, and then from there, if it's not working, then we head out because I don't want to be the majority of the conversation. So. What's what's the most awkward encounter you've ever had with a guy, like a client you've been out on a you know a date with, or you so, took him out to go meet chicks? So, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't mention any names. I just, I just want a horror story here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we won't mention any names, but I will say this. So, you know, for all my clients, I do work with a lot of high profile clients, and and for that reason, we um, there's a confidentiality agreement, right? So, mm. um, I don't out them for who they are as as a client, and they don't out me as a professional wingman. So there was one client that I went out with and he was the kind of guy that needed the liquid courage to really get himself going. So he's getting drunk. Yeah. So he had a couple of drinks and do you recommend that? I sir. So I do a two drink max. I didn't know that. I was like, dude, you know, you signed a contract. It's two drinks max. Like this is your last one. And he goes, okay, okay, okay. So he's he's saying that while he's like chugging that second drink. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to get sloppy. yeah, right. So he's he's starting to drink, and then he sees two two girls that he finds to be very attractive. I'm like, dude, all right, let's go over there, right? We're gonna go over there. We're gonna talk to him. I want you to go over there and just say hi, introduce yourself. He literally goes over there, and I'm thinking he's gonna like say hi, right? The first thing he says is, "My friend's a professional wingman." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
just destroys the facade, like the whole purpose of you being there. Completely, completely. Now the entire conversation's like focused on me. I'm trying to divert and lie and say, no, I'm not a professional wingman. I think it's a joke, uh, whatever. And trying to like get him to like Cover get his conversation. But he keeps going into it and like talking to him, talking to them about it. And it just, it was so bad because I don't, like outing myself when it comes to things like well, that. It also makes him seem kind of pathetic if you think about it. Well, I mean, I would see, I would disagree with that because let's face it, like it's a good conversational starter if you're not a client, right? If you're a yeah. friend of mine and you're like, dude, you need to be my friend. Like he has the best job in the world. Like that's not an awkward situation. But like if you're a client who's trying to meet these women that you're talking to, that's probably the worst thing you could say. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, is that, you know, he's basically saying, you know, I have no friends that could be my wingman, so I had to hire a professional. Yeah, and like, I, you know, I have no, I can, I do not know how to talk to women, so that's why uh, he's here. I don't see why this guy would even say that. He must have been pretty drunk. I mean, he, he I mean, he had chugged those first two drinks in the first, in, you know, in, in ten minutes. So <laughs> I, I was very concerned. And so, so did he, he get any phone numbers? He, he did not get any phone numbers <laughs> that night. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, yeah, I continue to work with him, though. You know what I mean? He, he understood that, like, he needed to adjust his boundaries, and uh, he's, you know, he's doing better. I mean, I'm still working with him today, but he's doing, he's doing better, and, and he has, he's gone on dates. That's cool. You know, so, you know, there definitely has been progress. So tell, tell me this. Like, well, once you're dating a girl, how important is it that you pay for everything, like all expenses? Do, do, does the man pay for all expenses on the first few dates? Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, paying for the first date. I think that's very important. Um, after that, it's up in the air. You know, I, I, I personally like a woman who contributes to having a good time. You know, it doesn't have to be an equal amount. You know, I can take mm. I can take them out to a great experience the first date, but then we can go rollerblading the second date. And if she pays for my skates, I'm excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it really doesn't matter. But it's just important, I think, for women to know that. It's important for guys to know for uh, important for guys to know that a woman is willing to contribute, um, especially in today's world where like gender yeah, roles I mean, can be a little you know a blurred and you know guys can be threatened by that. I think it, it always guy, blows it always blows my mind when I uh, you know talk to girl uh, girls uh, girlfriends and I, I talk to them and they're like you know I went on a date with this guy. And uh, he wanted to split it. He wanted to go Dutch, like, the, the first night. And I'm just like, wow. And she goes, yeah. She goes, I just knew there's no way. Like, we were not going there any further with this date after he split the bill the first time. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just not going to happen. So I think a good rule of thumb is, yeah, definitely the you know first couple of dates. At yeah, least. you pay for the first one. And even if you're a guy who, like, you know, wants to set the standard or the expectation that she needs to contribute, then say something like, hey, you know, let's go, let's go to another bar and you grab, you know, you grab the first round. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So at least, at least you're letting her know that, like, yeah, like, I'm totally paying for this, but I do expect you to contribute every once in a while, right? And, like, and I don't know if guys do dinner first dates anymore. I mean, I highly... I, yeah, I usually do I, drinks. I don't recommend dinner first dates, but even if you do spend, uh, you know, a large amount of money, like, it's, it's not about that. It's about the gesture. And I think the gesture goes a lot further than the actual value of, of whatever it is that you're paying for. What, what do you recommend for first date? Like, just meeting for drinks? Oh, drinks is the best, man. Drinks is the best go-to because you're really gauging chemistry and, um, you know, and long, and, and not to say long-term potential, but at least the potential of being able to see, want to see them again, right? So drinks, very typical. I usually recommend doing one drink, get a good vibe, and then if things are going well, 
if she wants a second drink, you let her say that. And then and that lets you know that she's into you. So you yeah. keep the day going for at least a second drink. And then you do that. And then you kind of go off and, and, and doing a second date, which, which I believe should be a great activity. Something that can bring you guys closer together. And then the third date can be more of like a dinner or fun food date. Yeah, yeah, that, that that definitely seems like a, uh, a like a good suggestion there. So tell me, how does your company, I guess, differ from like the seduction gurus, like the pickup artists, like um, <laughs> like uh, what's his name, Neil Strauss, who wrote the game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what do you think of those guys? Or mystery? You know that, that from that show, the pickup yeah, artist? yeah, um, uh, the pickup artist. Yeah, what what do you think of those guys and their techniques? You know, I, I, it's 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 a. To be honest, it's a love-hate relationship, to be honest, to be honest with you. You know, there's a part of me that um, I appreciate what they were they, they've been trying to do. And, you know, for someone like Mystery, you know, who went mainstream, went on, and he, had a, his, he had his own show, right? He had his own show for two seasons yeah, on VH1. VH1. If it wasn't for that, you know, that, that the community and the whole idea of actually coaching people on interpersonal skills probably wouldn't have gone as mainstream. So I probably wouldn't be as successful as I am now. Um, so I, I have great appreciation for that. At the same time, it's almost like, uh, you know, old world methods, you know, because it really did focus on trying to, uh, bring, you know, knock the ego and, and lower the self-esteem of women. And my whole opinion is, is why would you need to bring someone, why would you need to take someone off this pedestal, Right. Like the idea is they're, they're not on a pedestal. So if you're already putting them up there, then you're already at a disadvantage. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's, 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 and also it's the idea that they, they're in a routine, almost like it's like a, almost like a comedy bit, right? Like when they keep trying the same thing, it's repetitive action. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't work with everyone, you know, just like any comedy or stand up bit doesn't work with every crowd. Right. And so and it's hard for a lot of people to adjust. And as, and as guys, we're logical people. We like to have a formula or a routine that just works and it's a one size fits all, but it's, yeah, it's just not, it's like just that. not possible to do that. And so because, you know, the community also promotes that a lot, I just can't, I just can't like that. I can't vouch for that. You know, I, I like to be someone who can help clients be natural and adjust to certain situations as opposed to have an A plus B equals C type of Strategy. Yeah, like so that, that, that's the thing. Like, I, it's just not formulaic, and I think yeah. these these books, like the uh, the, the game, uh, just it, it it just misleads people. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think I think guys want to have this formula, but uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, I mean, it's it's organic. It's you have to be adaptable to the situation. Yeah. So so tell me, Thomas, in your professional opinion, uh, when I when I meet a girl, should I not mention that I host a podcast? Is that going to lower my chances of scoring? <laughs> I don't think so, man. Honestly, like, it really depends on how you present it, right? And I'll give you a really good example. So, I have one of my buddies. He, um, you know, he's he's a he's an author. You know, he wrote he has a published book. It's a New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, girls like that. Girls like that, right? But yeah. he never used to talk about that. He never used to mention that. And what he would say is, "I'm a writer." And Maybe being a writer is cool to some people, but for the majority of people, it's not cool, right? It doesn't sound exciting. Well, unless you're published. Yeah, unless you're, yeah. Unless you're but, but remember, keep in mind that he doesn't mention this, yeah. right? He just says that he's a writer. So, you know, he, then he like changed it and said, oh, I'm, a, I'm an author. And that, and that actually inspires 
a secondary question, which is, oh, like, what have you written? And then that you can go into talking about how you, you know, you have a book that's published and it's New York Times bestseller. And so it really comes down to how you present what you do. You know, I, you know, I actually met with a guy uh, earlier today who um, is unemployed and he has some things going on, on the side that actually makes him income and he doesn't necessarily worry about money, but he, you know, he's looking for the next thing to do. And mm. he mentioned how he's like soul searching right now. He's 30 years old. He's looking for the next thing to do in his life. And I said, dude, just tell whoever you're talking to that you're a professional soul searcher. <laughs> you're looking for something that you're looking for your next passion and something that you want to monetize on. Doesn't mean you're not making money, right? Yeah, but don't you think case. a girl's going to look through that, look at that, and be like, okay, this guy is jobless? I mean, at the end of the day, like, if they're going to judge you based on like the fact that you don't have a job, even though it's very clear after you explain yourself that you do make income, mm. like, then that she's not the girl for you. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be able to communicate with someone who can be on your same wavelength. And, exactly. It's a good way know, to like a uh, good, good litmus test there. Yeah, totally. I mean, think 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 about my personal life, right? Like when I first started the company, and I told people I was a professional wingman while I was out on dates. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could imagine that must have went over well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it made dating very very difficult. So it's one of those things where you got to be very. Um, particular in terms of how you present what it is that you do or not do in order to engage people just the same. I mean, in a sense, you're a social psychologist, really. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think a lot of people would say that, or a therapist. Yeah, behavioral therapist. That's, that's what I was thinking. So, yeah. so uh, my last question here, how relevant is the, the need for a wingman or a wingwoman? Do, do you guys have wingwomen? Yeah, yeah. We actually uh, – we call them angels. And so we angels. Do have women on staff who are trained to work with men and women. So are, are, is it better, do you think it, a guy has a better chance of going out to a bar and meeting girls with it, like if he had a wing woman than a wing man? See, um, so we have, we have studies um, that have been done, and basically it's shown that it doesn't matter. Um, in terms of preference, you know, they would prefer someone of the opposite sex. I think it was like 54% or something like that prefer someone of the opposite sex. Like, hmm. So it really doesn't matter to be honest i think it's a little bit more difficult to have just you as a male with a woman because i think think nine together seven times out of ten people are going to see you and assume that you you guys are together yeah exactly that's why i've I've noticed it's it's more difficult to meet other girls when i'm like with a you know girlfriend of mine at 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 the bar yeah so so how we actually uh counter that is we have one of our male coaches and one of our angels with the client uh, so you have two people, two, uh, um, two, uh, two wingmen, I guess, wing women. Yeah, wingmen. yeah, totally. Yeah, huh, so. that's interesting. <laughs> so, so tell me, I guess my last question here. So, why is a wingman or a wing woman necessary when you have online dating sites such as OkCupid or Match. dot com? I mean, don't you do the? I guess you do the uh, the the interaction online before you meet. For example, yeah. so you're kind of vetting the uh, the potential suitor. Totally. And you know, I'll, I'll preface by saying that online dating is a great supplement to any lifestyle that you have. You know, I personally believe that it shouldn't be your only source for getting dates, but if it's not, it's, it's great. Um, and in a world where we, you know, we use technology every day, right? Like we're using technology now yeah. as we speak. And um, I think what's really interesting is at the end of the day, even if you have 
100 emails that you're responding to and 10 dates that are happening over the next two weeks, you will have to meet these people in person. And if you're, if you're not congruent with the way you presented yourself online, it's not going to work out. And so no matter how much you use technology, the real connections that are being made are in person. And if you aren't up to speed or, up, or mm. even up to par – um, you know, with being able to make that connection in person, you're not going to be successful no matter how many leads and no matter how many prospects you have. Yeah, it's going to fall flat. I mean, that, that, I guess that's what, it, what you know, an online dating site's looking – the goal is to actually meet this person in the flesh yeah. and have a drink and, uh, and have discourse. And if you're not able to talk to them, you're probably not going to go any further with the date. Yeah, you know. And, yeah. yeah, it's actually – it's as simple as that, to be honest. Yeah, basically. So, Thomas, uh, what cities do you offer uh, your services? So, we're full time and uh, currently in Boston, New York. Um, we're currently working on an expansion to be full time in San Francisco, hoping that to be hoping for that to be wrapped up in the next three to six months. Um, but if no matter where you are, and you can always request for one of us to go down there and work with you. It could be, I mean, I, I personally have worked with clients in Chicago, Austin, Texas, um, Vegas. Fort Lauderdale, Miami, D.C., Philadelphia. Do so you uh, travel out there, or is it like an yeah. online consultation? Yeah, no. I mean, we, yeah, we also do we do virtual coaching. But for those who really want the in person experience, we will fly out there and we will work with you for as long as you want us to to get uh, the results that you're looking for. Wow, that that's great. So people uh, learn more about uh, Thomas's uh, company here at theprofessionalwingman.com. And uh, yeah, uh, check it out. You know, a fascinating guy. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thanks for being on the show tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. With over 75,000 titles to choose from, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial. Go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash diddle and get your free audiobook today. So we have some phone calls here. The Sick Wrong Hotline 206-666-3846 is that number. And today we have a special guest helping out here with the phone calls. I am very excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second, maybe third time. Uh, special guest, former penthouse pet, host of um, Muff Said. I am actually a new still a penthouse pet. Are Once you? a pet, always a pet. Are you a pet in perpetuity? Unless they strip me of my crown like Vanessa Williams. Well, can they do that? What, what, like, how do you, what, what makes them strip you of your penthouse pet crown? Well, it, technically it's a key. But um, I think it would have away? to do something like uh, defame the brand, which I would never do because I love penthouse. I write a column for them called The Dirty Details every month. It's spectacular. Was that, it, that's in penthouse form, right? Yes. Yes, it is. That is a very cool And I give I've lots of advice. Times. So that's why, you know, it's good that I'm here today. That is why I invite you here. We are talking to uh, Ryan Keeley. Um, yeah. Pen, okay, current penthouse pet. Penthouse Pet Forever. Penthouse Pet Forever, host <laughs> of Muff Said, which is on the Death Squad Network. People, yes. You should totally check that out. Um, you're still doing that uh, weekly, bi-weekly? Um, I do that. Uh, it's about every other week because we're pretty busy. But um, my big new project, it's called The Big Small Cap Show. You can subscribe on YouTube or look at our website, growthequities.tv, where uh, people can invest. I give uh, stock tips on uh, penny stocks. 
on penny stocks. Yeah, because huh? I can't afford to buy Google, but there's all these other really amazing tech companies that you can buy for $10 a share or $2 a share. They're doing and, neat stuff. Yeah, and people probably don't even know anything about that. Exactly. So we do the research and we put out a, a, a show Monday through Friday where we uh, give our suggestions on companies that we think are, are worthwhile buys. Is this like a brand new thing that you've been doing? It. You know, I've, I didn't know about this. I know. It is kind of new. <laughs> I fell into it. Um, it was, as you know, I'm a super nerd and... Uh, I love anything science fiction. And my friend was looking for a host for the show. And I was like, well, I don't really have a financial background. And then I went and I looked at the companies that he was covering. And I was like, oh my gosh, all of these companies are called small cap. That means they're valued at under $2 billion. So they're not really small. Yeah. No. Kind of a lot. Kind kind of a lot. Um, But their stock prices are are reasonable. And they have – all these companies are making really cool technology. Like we focus on – Is it tech only? Not necessarily. Um, we do a lot of alternative energy, a lot of biofarm stuff. There's this company that's making uh, flu vaccinations and impregnating them in basically like the breath strips. Mm. It's amazing, and, and it's like a broad spectrum flu vaccination. And uh, yeah, I kind of like that. That's so you don't actually have to get an injection. You Mm-mm. just take a, a, a just those little like Listerine breath strips. Essentially, yeah. So there's that, and there's this other company that's do they have it in suppository tissue. form? Suppository form. I bet you could request that, you know, if you're into that. Right. Mental note. We'll request you know, suppositories for flu vaccines. Well, the flu vaccine, if it if it dissolves on an mucous membrane, you could put it in your butthole because it... Oh, okay. Butthole, so I could just take the strip. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, just put, just put, it, <laughs> put it in your butt. <laughs> so it's that's a everyday... What's it called again? The Big Small Cap Show. Uh, subscribe on YouTube or uh, go to our website, growthequities.tv. The Big Small Cap Show. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. And you're hosting uh, Magic the Gathering. We were actually talking about this <laughs> on Sick and Wrong about like a month ago. And my, my co-host, who's a way bigger nerd than me, was making fun of me for going to that. Are you serious? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, did you not see Ryan? Because he follows you on Twitter. And I'm like, did you not see Ryan's like Twitter pics that she posts from that? Yeah. It's like it's- every girl in there is like super hot. And super nerdy and cool. Yeah. And really cool. And there's like like maybe three guys and it's like ten girls. I maintain a ratio. Yeah. It's basically if I'm awake I'm hosting something. Uh, <laughs> it's what I live for. Which is weird. <laughs> it's like being a like a stand up comedian, like but totally different. I just know that I'm broken inside if all that I want to do is host. And still though, yeah. But, <laughs> but you can show people good time though. Oh, I can that's show a good you a quality. good time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's every Wednesday night, and uh, that's 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 a good time. It's fun. I, I never knew good. magic could be sexy and cool. I, just, I didn't even know that much you about know, magic. You know, our play group is called Vagic the Gathering. Vagic the Gathering? We're a mostly female play group, yeah. I guess that makes sense. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to come check it out this week. Um, anyway, uh, li- I saw you last night. Well, I actually just missed you last night at the pleasure chest so party. Close, I know, so I know. Like I, ships I, in the night. You know, it was from like seven to eleven, and I didn't get there till ten because it's kind of early to get there. That, but it was packed with perverts. Um, I saw so much man butt, and in fact, I don't know how I missed you because I was there for the fisting, and from what I understand, the fisting was at eleven. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't see. I didn't actually go into the uh, oh. the store itself. Was the the fisting was going on in the in the, the it was called the glory hole, right? So there's this giant fuzzy wall with holes cut in it, and inside the uh, these it's actually it's a it's a four sided furry box, and inside the box there are people performing very explicit sex acts. The most <laughs> spectacular of one was. Um, was the fisting that I saw? I was close enough to smell that fisting. Uh, yeah, I remember the uh, the first year I went to that was a couple of years ago, 
my girlfriend at the time was like, oh my God, you got to go check this out. There's like a 400 pound chick masturbating in there. And I was like, really? I want to see this. I went, I went, I run over there. I looked through the, and there's like these tiny little portholes sort of uh-huh. that you look through. I looked through it and there's a man with his arm like past his elbow in another man's colon. Yep. And and this guy had a a tattoo, like, because I saw him later in the night, a tattoo of a ruler on his arm. Yeah. Never trust a man with a ruler tattooed on his arm. That's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. But it did, the smell is what, I mean, okay, the sight of it all was was shocking, but that smell, smelled like poo and lube and, I don't don't know, What I loved about the, uh, the, the glory hole party at the pleasure chest, it's a private invite party every year if you're in Los Angeles. Um, you just have to RSVP ahead of time. It's such a it's blast. Free. It's totally free. Free booze. Yeah, free booze too. And um, my favorite thing about this is that the smell in that room changes on what's going on. Because I came in and it was uh, these two lesbians making each other squirt. So it smelled like pussy. And I come back a little. <laughs> off- <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> and then you come back a little later. It's two dudes like fisting each other. It smells like shit, pussy. <laughs> well, so- <laughs> my favorite was I the first time I looked through the hole. Um, there's, there's two guys in clown makeup and combat boots and cock rings and that's it. And one of them has his hands tied behind his back and the other one is zapping him with a neon wand, which is an electrostim toy. Um, Zapping his clown dick? His clown dick, his back, his nipples, his belly button, like basically running this like shocking toy all over him. And they're both in clown makeup. Yeah, that that is like one of my worst nightmares. I don't even like clowns anyway, and like gay clowns shocking each other's dicks, <laughs> that, that just scares the shit out of me. But you know, it's one of those things. It's you know, uh, where else would you ever see that? Where else would you see it? You yeah. know, that's why like I had to go see the fisting because I've I've read a lot about fisting. I've seen it on the internet, but like to actually be there and witness it happening, like it's it's. It's yeah, it's it's sensory. a sight to behold. Sight to behold. Yeah, yeah. I cannot unsee that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or unsmell it. <laughs> yeah, especially. Yeah, it was a good party. It was fun. Uh, a lot of perverts. A good time. Uh, Lenora was hosting it, which is yes. always, which is always cool. So, uh, yeah, people go check it out next year. It's like I think it's the end of September every year. Mm-hmm. It's like their anniversary party. So Ryan, as you mentioned before, you do an advice column. I do for the uh, Penthouse Forum. What's it called again? The Dirty Details. The Dirty Details. So you are like especially qualified to answer some of these My Two Cents questions that we have. Oh, here. yeah. Um, I think most of them are sexually related. They might not be. But regardless, you're definitely um, more qualified than I am for this. Yeah, well, I give this. advice on sex and penny stocks. So and, yeah, so, <laughs> you're well-rounded. Way. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so uh, let me roll the theme music. And uh, people, yeah, we got a, we got a few My Two Cents calls. Remember, you can always call this the Sick and Wrong Hotline, 206-666-3846. Here's the theme music. My Two Cents with Dean Lance. All right. Let's get to uh, call number one. Actually, this isn't even a My Two Cents call, but this is something you could probably clear up. The mystery of female ejaculation. I'm, this is like tr- time and time again this comes up. So whether, many times. Yeah, whether or not it's, it's real, whether or not it's urine. What, what do you think it is? Okay, I, I recently wrote a column about this actually. And there is no scientific study that has studied the studied uh, female ejaculation in depth. So they're, the, basically the lab work has not been done. It's the not du- conclusive or they just have never done it anything? Really, there, it has not really been done. There just has not been an intense study on the, uh, the female ejaculation. However, mm. I will say this. I ejaculate. I also pee. 
And I have also made my partners ejaculate. Um, Actually, let me me back up a little bit. Okay, so there's also no evidence supporting the existence of the G-spot because they haven't done enough research yet. That may change in 20 years. But for conclusive scientific data to be presented and to be peer-reviewed, you're talking 15, 20-year studies. You have to think that our our infatuation with the G-spot and with squirting is a relatively new thing. And it's also, you know, so they have to get the funding for this. They have to study this. They have to vet it. There has to be multiple studies done by multiple people looking at, at you know, these things from various angles. So until it's, it's, it's a long process for anything to be scientifically prove, proven, which is a good thing. That, well, that is ultimately a very good thing. But it doesn't say if it's scientifically proven that it doesn't exist or that doesn't occur. So there is no, there is, there's scientifically no, no, no doctor will give you like, According to this study, this actually is a thing. It has not scientifically been proven. However, it is anecdotally proven. And I'm a lesbian porn star. I've had sex with over 200 women. Like, I have eaten so much (laughs) pussy in my life. And I've had my pussy eaten by a lot of people. And when I have put my my hands inside vaginas, I have found that G-spot. And sometimes, if I manipulate it properly, if someone manipulates my properly, a, a shaking... uh chest flushing um or orgasm happens it's an insane orgasm insane like, but- orgasm where like the earth splits open and, and you feel like you're being swallowed by the universe um and sometimes that is accompanied with a fair amount of fluid and that fluid tastes very different from urine um don't ask me how i know the difference <laughs> <laughs> But uh because yeah. it's it smells it different smells than urine different. too. It tastes different. It but it has the same different. consistency though, right? Not really. I feel I feel I feel like to me it feels different, but I might be a bit of a connoisseur. Mm. I'm I'm always putting my fingers in people's junk, so. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it being done. I remember I uh have you ever heard of Ultimate Surrender? Yeah. At kink.com. I I remember seeing the taping of that live. And the winners get to fuck the losers afterwards. So like, I have been on Ultimate Surrender. Have, have I have, you, yeah. have you, oh, Were you on the winning end or the losing end? I, well, the thing is, it's your first, the first time you do it, of course you're going to lose. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how you, like, I mean, would you want to win or would you want to lose? I mean, it's, either way, it'd still well, be kind of fun. I'm, it was very fun. I'm very competitive, so I wanted to win and I tried very, very hard. But um, when you are new to Ultimate Surrender, they put you with a more experienced wrestler so you don't hurt yourself. Because if it's two girls that don't know what they're doing, that's when someone's going to get hurt. If it's one person that knows what they're doing, they can kind of guide the newbie. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember going into it thinking. This is why you had sex with, you should have sex with older women. Just same theory. A, it, is, it is a good <laughs> idea. I mean, um, well, the thing is, I mean, older women know their bodies. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I remember going to see uh, Ultimate Surrender thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be girls wrestling, whatever, power puff football, you know, powder puff, like football, powder puff wrestling, whatever. You know, these girls are hardcore. Like yeah. I would not go in the ring with them. And it's like, they get points by finger banging each other, sticking a finger in the ass. It was like, it was hardcore. They're throwing each other. It's like tag team wrestling hardcore. Yeah. And then the uh, winners got to uh, fuck the losers. And this one girl like had a Hitachi. And was just rubbing herself with it, and then she just shot out like must have been like a, like at least a glassful of liquid. Yep. And it didn't look like urine. And it doesn't smell like urine. Yeah, I mean, I was I was sitting like you know, I mean, I didn't get splashed. There's no splashback on me, but I remember looking at being like, wow, that's a lot of female ejaculate. So I guess this is real. I saw a ton of female ejaculation last night at the pleasure chest, and the thing is, is that 
there are so many people out there that have experience that are like, it's not pee. When you have that much anecdotal evidence, you have to think, does it matter that it hasn't scientifically been proven yet? You know, I wonder. I mean, I, I heard something on Howard Stern where they had a guy, a doctor, that was saying it's urine. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. Sometimes it but, is. Sometimes it is. And I've had some girlfriends. I've had two girlfriends that used to get a lot wetter than other girls. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was piss. So I, I don't know. But then again, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it might be a mixture. Yep. You never know. That's, so, a, that's a very popular theory. So this guy calls in here and uh, he's just weighing in on the female ejaculate Myth or truth? What's up, D. Lance? This is David from Louisiana. Uh, sorry about the quality of the call last time. I was on Bluetooth. Sound like shit. Are we both uh, from? Call, we I both live in Louisiana. The, uh, yes. The female ejaculate, all the wetness and such. Just a little wetness update. And such. Y'all like made me think about it a little bit more and talked about how good it was. I went back and fucked the same chick again that I knew squirted a good bit. I gotta say, now there's a different situation I did at her house, and it just got all over her bed, and I was able to just shower and go home to my own clean bed. Not so bad. Actually, it was quite enjoyable. So, um, you know, I kind of disparaged it a little bit in the past, but I will say, this is doing on their bed? Fucking all about it, man. No mess at your place? Go for it. When I know that I'm going to squirt, <laughs> I... Uh... I, I, if I know ahead of time that that's like the goal of the evening, and we're going to do something that's going to get me to that point. Then I throw a towel down. If it's just something, one of those things that happens, I always kind of like scoot down to the end of the bed and like spray it all over the floor. And just spray it on the floor. <laughs> How much comes out? Like uh a... depends. Sometimes it's just a little dribble and sometimes it's, you know, it's like half a cup. Wow. Like half a cup, just spraying straight. Out. I mean, can you like projectile spray that? No, I'm not Cytheria. <laughs> I think I think it's funny that this guy's like, yeah, I'll get it all over her bed, but then go back to my nice clean bed. I read a, a some study that was done uh, somewhere in Britain. But they were saying like the average guy changes his sheets once every four months. <gasps> Is that disgusting? I mean, uh, I, I change my sheets <laughs> at least every two weeks. I think maybe the maybe there's something the average guy who doesn't get laid that often. But even if you are, I mean, if you are getting laid, you should be, you know, or you're not getting laid, you should be changing your sheets like. Once every couple of weeks, every, at least. Yeah, every two weeks. It's, yeah. it's, it, yeah. That's revolting. Well, here's the thing. I actually have gotten to the point where dudes don't change their sheets and it's revolting. If I'm going to go over to someone's house for the first time, they're going to get a text message. I actually posted one on my Instagram several months ago where it's like, I'm like, do you have a hair tie? Do you have clean sheets and towels? Are those sheets <laughs> on your bed? Okay, I'm on my way. There's a I'm going to fuck you checklist. Well, yeah, because the thing is, if I'm coming over for the first time and your bed smells manky, like... Ew. Ew. What if there's just like some white stains? Yeah. I'm not going to have sex with you. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, no. Like, I don't know how those stains got there. Am I rolling around in some other chick's DNA? That, that, that's what I'm always concerned about. Like, if, uh, you know, if I'm going to have, you know, if there's a chance I might have a new girl back in my house, I'm going to have clean sheets. Yeah. I mean, it might as well make a, a decent first impression. Totally. And I, you know, a man that has a clean house, it, it leaves an impression. The thing is, is that. I want to feel comfortable in someone's home. And if they have clean sheets and like a clean bathroom, I'm going to feel comfortable there. If they have a disgusting bathroom and it is like disgusting sheets, I don't know if I want to be with someone that can't even take care of themselves. So there you go, guys. There's, this is sound advice coming from a, a <laughs> penthouse pet. Okay. Um, so there you go. Female ejaculate. Uh, it sounds real. I, I think it's real. I think it's real. Um, here's the next. Okay. Here's a actual my two cents call. 
Uh, hey, what's up, guys? Um, I just wanted to, uh, I guess, uh, ask your advice on something. Um, I've been talking to this girl, and uh, sometimes when I talk to her on the phone, I will put the phone on, um, I'll turn the volume up on the phone, but I'll turn the volume on the media all the way down, and I'll put her on speakerphone. And I'll just watch porn and jack off while I'm talking to her. <laughs> and I just wondered. Um, we mentioned assume all is guys that are doing like this. Phone rape or uh, phone rape. I don't know. Does anybody else do this? Uh, I don't know. Okay. What do you think, Ryan? Is this is this phone rape? Like, would you be upset if you knew the guy you were talking to on the other end was like full on jacking it to like ujizz.com? Yeah, totally. <laughs> what if he was jacking it to one of your videos? It'd be even creepier <laughs> because the thing is when I'm talking to you on the phone, either we're friends and it's not going to go that way or B, we're banging and in which case, why don't you just talk to me like I'm, I'm a human being and if you treat me like a person instead of an object, I myself will come over and bang you. <laughs> yeah, I just don't get it. Like, you, that's a weird, that's a very weird thing. It is thing. a very weird thing. Like this guy, I think gets off. I think he's an exhibitionist. I think he gets off. They don't know that he's jacking knowing, off. Knowing, you know, because the girl doesn't know. And the fact that she doesn't know about it and he's jacking off, this is what gets him off. It's non-consensual. And that's the thing about sex is that, or any sexual act is that it should be between consenting adults. Um, I don't know if I'd go as far as calling it rape. I do think it's really inappropriate. So it's not phone rape, but it's kind of close to being phone rape. Is it's, it phone date rape, maybe? Well, date rape's still rape. Date rape. Rape, yeah. rape, is, rape is rape, but there's, there's, no, there's no grape. There's no mild rape. Like, rape is rape. I don't necessarily think that it's rape because um, – but I do think that it is maybe – Rude? Very rude, sexually inappropriate, <laughs> disrespectful, um, awkward, and, um, you know, it's, it's – It reminds me of the movie Happiness. You ever see that? Mm, uh, there's so. Philip Seymour Hoffman. This is like back in the nineties. Philip Seymour Hoffman would call up random chicks in the phone book, and then when they answer, he'd be like, "What are you wearing?" And then you know he'd try to have a conversation the whole time he's jacking off. And then they showed him like squirt has come on the wall, that, and uh, then he would take a postcard and just stick it over the wall, and the whole wall was covered in postcards. Yeah, it was gnarly. Ew. But it made me think. I was like, God, I bet you he's not the only guy that's ever done this. No, and yeah. what is ugh. Why are guys so gross? So I, gross. Yeah. So gross. I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny is like I was recently reflecting like I used to be such a hoe bag in my early 20s. Like if I got bored, I'd be fucking someone. I'm like, I'm bored. You're not too terrible. Like, let's do this thing. <laughs> or like I've never had some – like I, it was fucked up. Like and, um, and now as I've gotten older and I've gotten to know men better, I'm just like, mm-mm. Well, I mean, this, most of y'all are weird. You're not coming near my junk. <laughs> well, that's the thing with dudes. I mean, dudes yeah. are like willing to go like guys are willing to stick their dick in a random hole in the bathroom. Yes. Not even knowing what could be on the other side. You know, a woman wouldn't do that. No. I mean, I'd say in general, a woman wouldn't do that. Whereas I think a lot of guys, like if they, you know, if they walked into a bathroom and it just said, you know, hot pussy on the other side or sexy porn star on the other side of this dark hole. They would stick their dick. They would take the gamble and stick their dick in the hole. That's you weird. Know, however, it's perverted. I think that's the difference between what sex is for men and what it is for women. Because if you look at heterosexual, like cisgendered sex, what you're looking at is it's penetrated for the woman. It goes inside a woman, whereas it's external for a man. So I think that that the the physiology of it actually changes how we perceive things and how we react to things. Mm, that's a good point. Also, you know, a vagina is a 
you know, it's, it's a very delicate ecosystem. I mean, it's, it's like, it's a lot of shit that could go wrong with the vagina. If you don't take care of your pussy right, you're going to have yeast infections. You're going to have BV. Like things can go, you're going to make babies, you know, there's a lot worse than all the above, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things that can go wrong if you don't like be aware of where you put your junk. I feel like men have a little bit easier in that. uh, Yeah. With the dong. I mean, I don't really know other than like herpes and I mean, I guess there's STDs, but yeah, it's just your dong. I mean, nothing really happens with it. Yeah. External. Yeah, it's very external. And, you know, it's, it's a, the, the being penetrated as opposed to penetrating something. It's two very different sensations. Definitely. Well, there you go. Uh, you should be ashamed of yourself, you phone pervert. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Don't have – don't engage in sexual acts unless they're consensual. Yeah, I mean this uh, – you know, I hope this girl finds out about this. I hope she listens and is like, what are you doing over there? And then you're caught in the act. Anyway, here's the, here's the last My Two Cents call. Hey, wrong. Uh, I have a My Two Cents question. Uh, my birthday's coming up soon, and need to get my dick wet. So I'm just wondering if I should this guy. get an escort because uh, if I can't trick a girl, <laughs> trick and, uh, a girl with me, deep size. Find another way to get my dick wet. So okay, so here's Let me know <laughs> Wait, well. if I should do it, how I should do it. Appreciate it. Keep up the good. Keep up the good work. All right. So there you go. This guy wants to know, should he get an escort? Yes. And how should he get an escort? So here's the thing is, is that if you are going to objectify a woman and just treat her like a, a, a hole for you to put your wiener inside. A receptacle. A dick receptacle. If you're going to treat a woman like a dick receptacle, at least pay her for her time. <laughs> because at least she goes into that situation knowing what to expect and walks out of it like, again, it's about consent. You yeah, know. exactly. It, I mean, it, it's well, it's a it's a business transaction at that mm-hmm. point. Yes, exactly. And this guy does not sound like he's looking for a nice girl that he wants to have the sexing with. He just wants to, quote unquote, get his dick wet. Well, now, didn't he say he couldn't find a nice girl that he could trick into having sex with him? Like, if you were trying to <laughs> trick women into having sex with you, you're doing it wrong. Because the thing is, women are sexual be- beings, and if you treat us as human beings and we have chemistry, they'll just want to bang you on their own. I actually. I, I got the no means no talk earlier this week because I was so aggressively pursuing someone. Wait, a guy said no? Yes. Not just no, but no means no because I was being really pushy. Wow. Yeah, it happens. I don't think I've ever done that. See? The thing is, if you're, if you're doing it right, you'll have to, you have to <laughs> beat them off, literally. Um, but uh, if you're going to find an escort, I mean, it depends on where you are. Uh, I would recommend going through Arrow's Guide and being able to do a little bit of shopping. Is that better than Craigslist? Like, is Cra- I mean, is Craigslist just is it, is it kind of scary? Craigslist. Craigslist is scary. Craigslist is really really scary. It's worth pay- spending whatever money you're going to spend to get an Arrow's Guide membership. It's like the Yelp for hookers. Like hmm. you get. A- what, what do they look like though? Is there the bait and switch on uh, Arrow's Guide? Uh, well, the thing is, is that on Arrow's Guide, um, the hookers are reviewed by their clients. So you can actually look at the, someone's client reviews and their ratings. Do they get five stars or three stars? Two, exactly, yeah. Really? Yeah. No, what, 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 what constitutes a five-star encounter? Well, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, everyone, if you're looking for a GFE, if you're looking for, which is short for girlfriend experience, um, or if you're looking for like a dominatrix to beat the hell out of you. I mean, what one person wants, that's the amazing thing about sex work, is that what one person wants is not what another person is going to want. So I guess it depends on the experience of what it, what it was that you're About what for. you're seeking. And then you can do a little bit of pre-shopping. But the thing is, is just be – anyone that is allowing you to penetrate – like you're polite to a taxi driver when you get in his car. You're only getting in his car. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. <When you're> yeah. <laughs> putting yourself inside someone, treat that person with respect. Yeah, whether you're paying it for it or not. Yeah. Um, the, the whole fact that this guy is trying to trick a girl, I'm thinking, dude, you probably don't deserve to get your dick wet yet. Oh. Unless he's you paying know? for it, you know. That's well, if he's paying for it, yeah. Then I mean, then the then the the woman's just like, okay, whatever. I'll be your trick. I will put up with your bullshit because clearly, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, what about okay? Have you ever? Um, would you ever recommend a street walker? No. Like cruising down Sunset and picking up a girl? No. Okay, so that is out of the question. Craigslist is that like the next step <clears throat> up from Streetwalker? Craigslist is crawling with crop. With uh, cops and bait and switch situations. So wait, they don't. The cops don't go on Arrow's Guide. Um, from what I understand, Arrow's Guide is fairly reputable. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, prostitution is not legal in this country as of yet. But um, if you're Nevada, like, in Nevada, you know, I've, I've actually, I my first experience with a woman was at a Nevada whorehouse, and so. Wait, did you did you go that you actually went there to seek out an experience with a woman? Well, you I paid won, for it. I won an all expenses paid trip to the Kit Kat Ratch in Carson City, Nevada. Oh wow! Yeah, what the girl look like? Uh, her name was Rebecca Love. She's a porn star. She was working out of there. Um, I was nineteen years old. Um, it was the first time I ever went down on a woman, and let me say, duck to water, or at least she made me feel that way. <laughs> and it was did a wonderful you spray? experience. Um, I don't know. No, I did not. I did not. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was it was a very positive experience because I was very shy. I was very nervous. I'd been with boys before, but I'd never been with a girl. And as you all know, pleasing a woman can be difficult. And uh, it was it was a wonderful environment to do that in. Yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very complex skill to have. It mm. Takes years of experience. I think you know this guy. I think this guy should just uh, shell out some cash, go to Nevada. Go to yeah. Uh, well, it's his birthday. You might as well yeah. spend some time in Vegas. Go you know out a little bit outside of Vegas and have a great time. Yeah, Carson City is like what, like forty five minutes outside of Vegas? I think it's right by Reno. Oh wait, yeah, oh, okay, City wait, that's Reno. north. Yeah, that's. But north, there's but... other there's other reputable whorehouses. Go to Tahoe. Do a little skiing. Go um, eat a little pussy. Eat a little pussy. Yeah. yeah why no. not? But you know, if you want something closer to home, Arrow's Guide is a really great place to start, and they've got message boards. So you can talk to other first-time Johns or more experienced Johns and, and get their. Do they have on everything on there, like uh, from dominatrix mm-hmm. to pegging? Yes. To like Absolutely. just regular girlfriend experience. Yep. Well, there you go. I think Arrow's Guide is what uh, this guy should be checking out. Yeah. All right, people. There it is. Two zero six 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 three eight four six. My two cents. Thank you, Ryan, for hosting it. Oh, it's my and pleasure. It's like, I mean, because usually when uh, me and Lance do it, we get the worst advice you could possibly have. <laughs> I wouldn't have known what what to say to some of these questions. So uh, this is actually useful advice you're getting. Anytime you want me to come back, I'm happy to share my opinions. That that is that is great. Um, people, uh, remember you can email the show too at sickandwrongpodcast.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. We do appreciate that. Just search for Sick and Wrong and uh, rate and comment. Um, also, the theme story, the theme music competition we have going on right now, we have a, we have a segment called Shit Stories where people come hmm. in and they share their um, embarrassing shit stories. But we're doing a theme music competition and we're giving out some fabulous prizes from Adam and Eve. That sounds excellent. Yeah. Um, people put it this way. There's a Sasha Gray fleshlight that uh, is, uh, might, be one of the, might be one of the prizes. I don't want to let the entire cat out of the bag, but uh, it's going to be some good prizes. So make sure you send it in. Uh, it's gonna, the competition will only go until 10-1, so you only have a few days left. Uh, remember, you can just send it to Podcast at hotmail.com. I've received about six good submissions. We're going to vote on these next week. Also, the brand new Sigurong Tees are available at the Sigurong store, sigurongpodcast.com slash store. 
Um, yeah, it's the uh, new logo tee. So uh, go pick one one of those up. Best way to support the show. I am a big pan- fan of the Sick and Wrong t-shirts. Not only did I... You're the model of the last one. I am the model of the last one. Not only did I... I had the dead baby one for a long time. Uh, the Quado one, yeah. The Quado one. And um, I actually was holding my friend's new baby and took a nap with it while wearing my dead baby t-shirt. I love that picture. <laughs> it, it's, it's so delightfully twisted. It's because you, you're just like sitting there just looking like... You know, beautiful and and in repose, sleeping, and then you got this baby that's just this innocent creature mm-hmm. in your hands, also sleeping in my arms, also sleeping. And then there's the grotesque <laughs> quado, <laughs> like that shirt that you're wearing. And I, I'm so surprised no one's just like, oh, this is just a disturbing scene here. It, it, it that was that was the funniest thing is that I didn't look at the pictures later, and then I was like. That, 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 that's messed up. And then my mom was in town a couple <laughs> weeks ago and pulls out my other sick and wrong t-shirt. I forgot about you texted me a picture of your mom wearing a sick and wrong tee. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you, remind me, I'm gonna, I'll give you the new one. Clearly I will put it to good yeah. use. <laughs> because you actually wear it. Uh, finally here, sick and wrong song of the week was sent in from John on Facebook. He goes, here's my suggestions for sick and wrong song of the week. I don't know if it's sick, but it's a good song. It's uh, Benny Trong's classic diss track, Fuck Jackie Chan. Which I always like Jackie Chan. I like Jackie Chan too. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's some sour grapes going on here. Mm. Uh, but this guy does have some great lines like, uh, fuck around with me and you'll get cut like a coupon. <laughs> like a coupon. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Ryan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, people go check out Muff Said on uh, Death Squad and the new show. Uh, it's called <laughs> Big Small Cap Show. Just follow me on Twitter. It's at Ryan Keeley. That's R-Y-A-N-K-E-E-L-Y. I'm doing so many things, so that's the best way to keep track of what I'm up to. Your Twitter is one of my favorite Twitters. Thank you. Yeah, I love following that one. <laughs> um, people, uh, thanks for listening tonight. We'll be back next week with uh, episode 401. Till then, take it easy. Oh, my God. I'm about to kill this motherfucker, Jackie Chan. This bitch-ass motherfucker. Fuck this fuck boy. Man, what the fuck? Fuck Jackie Chan. Man, fuck him. Fuck Jackie Chan. 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 Man, he's trying to man. Fuck Jackie Chan. 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 Man, he's trying to man. Jackie Chan, he's a fucking faggot. Many trying the ball, my flows like magic. No ace though, Jackie Chan, you gay, bro. Many bone eight hoes, Jackie bone eight bros. I saw them photos, you looking like a homo. You gotta be gay, yo. You like it in the a-hole? Damn, Jackie Chan, I didn't know that you jack off. To my videos, damn, that's some gay shit. Watch out three, gay shit. Watch out two, gay shit. Watch out one, gay shit. Excuse me while I say this, even though I'm Asian. Jackie Chan, you are a disgrace to your nation. I'm Jackie Chan, I know my own stunts. I'm Benny Trump, I bone your host cunt. I'm Jackie Chan, I'm a role model. I'm Benny Trump, I just bone your daughter. Fuck Jackie Chan. Fuck Jackie Chan, 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 fuck
and I'm still the best. Jackie, you the reason Owen Wilson tried to kill himself. You a bad friend, and you a fag man. Chris Tucker, that's your only black friend? You can ask, man. I be getting cash, man. And I got more black friends than an African. Jackie, you went too far. Now you're fool bar. Many from the bar, about to show your ass who's hard. Fuck around with me, you get cut like a coupon. Pour you in the river with some concrete shoes on. Put you in a pine box with a new suit on. I'm shitting on Jackie Chan. Benny get his poop on. Saw Shanghai Nights. It was so lame, saw the tuxedo Jackie, are you doing cocaine? You can try to fight me, you can try to shoot me But guess what, Jackie? You'll never be Bruce Lee Fuck Jackie Chan 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 Phone's on fire, the microphone on fire. Jackie Chan a snitch, Jackie Chan a liar. The headphones on fire, the microphone on fire. Jackie Chan a snitch, Jackie Chan a liar. The headphones on fire, the microphone on fire. Jackie Chan a snitch, Jackie Chan a liar. The headphones on fire, the microphone on fire. Jackie Chan a snitch, Jackie Chan a liar. Jackie Chan, bitch. We are turning into an oligarchy. Whatever you two think, whatever you two gather snacks think, we are actually becoming an oligarchy. And that's not bad for some people, but it's good for others. And, well, it's sick and wrong. 